Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Now, friends, uh, my, my theme this morning is good question, even better answer. It's a, it's a random kind of topic, I guess, but the good question comes in verse 5 of the reading that James has just brought to us. Uh, and it says this, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way to get there? Now, it's a good question because it's the question of an inquirer. It's the question of a seeker, a person who doesn't have all the answers, a little bit confused, a little bit lacking in confidence and faith, but he's, he's trying to piece it together. Lord, where, where, where are you going? What's, what's this all about? It's a good question. But there's an even better answer that's given by our Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus then beautifully summarises his own nature and, and talks about the very essence of the Christian faith when he says, I am the way, the truth. And the life. So that forms the backdrop to the message this morning. So let's join together in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this book, the Bible, which we have unlimited access to in such a free country like Australia. We pause to think of those worshipping around the world today who meet under threat of persecution, under threat of severe punishment, including in some cases imprisonment and even death. May we never take what we have for granted. And now please open our hearts and eyes and ears to receive the message you want us to to take home with us today. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Now friends, you've all been in these sort of situations. I'll describe it to you. It might be a large group, it might be a small group, but people are, uh, it's a bit of an awkward moment. Uh, people are making sort of light, superficial conversation. Uh, there are moments of silence. Sometimes people give a little nervous cough. <coughs> Somebody says something that's not that funny and people laugh as though it's the funniest thing they've ever heard in their lives. And then comes the moment when somebody says, well, I, I, I guess it's time to go. Or there's a boarding call over the PA. You know? And then all the emotions really let loose. And there's hugging and there's tears and there's all sorts of you know, really intimate exchanges as people realise this is the last time we're going to see each other for a long time. Now, it was partly because we'd been through so many of those as a couple that Bev and I went back to Adelaide after all those years because that's, that's kind of like the story of our lives, saying farewell. Why are we talking about farewells? Well, because our reading from John 14 is lifted right out of a section of John's Gospel known as the Farewell Discourse. And it's from Jesus himself. It covers verse 31 of chapter 13 to verse 26 of chapter 17, and it's Jesus preparing his disciples for the imminence of his arrest, his mock trial, his crucifixion, his resurrection, ultimately his ascension. It's all part of a, a very long farewell discourse. It's, it's, it's about, but now in, in, in chapter 14, it's about the time for the, for the silence, for the uh, <coughs> nervous cough. It's getting close. And they've just shared a meal together, the Passover meal, the Last Supper, that's chapter 13. And Jesus has been in a rather melancholy mood. He said some unusual things about betrayal. He's, uh, he's sort of uh, cited that, that Peter is going to do something really quite bizarre. But in chapter 14, he becomes a little more optimistic and encouraging. And in, in the first four verses of that reading just brought to us, do not be worried, says Jesus, or upset. There are many rooms in my father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I would not tell you this if it were not so. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to myself so that you will be 
where I am. You know the way that leads to the place where I am going. And then, of course, Thomas comes in with his question. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way to get there? And then Jesus, following that question, makes this incredible declaration. Have a look at it. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, friends, to my mind, it raises an interesting question. Would Jesus have made this powerful declaration if Thomas hadn't asked the question? Because you see, this statement from Jesus did not come in the midst of some sort of tirade about his exclusivity and how everybody else was wrong and he was right. It, it, we, I think we like to think that that's maybe what it was, but no, no, it's his response to a question. It's a question about his exclusivity, of course, but it's, it's in response to a disciple who was confused, extremely anxious and decidedly lacking in confidence. Lord, we don't know where you're going. All we know is you're going. We're wondering if we're up to the, to the task of carrying on your work. This was a testing time for the disciples, friends. It really was a period of rapid change and transition. Very soon, the responsibility of carrying on the work of Jesus would be theirs. It's a very daunting prospect. And they would be faced with the challenge of establishing the first century church. And that was going to require courage, persistence, faith, lots of confidence. In a word, it would require each and every disciple to have this powerful, faith-filled confidence as part of their makeup. Not so much in their own ability, but more confidence in the ability of God to work through them to achieve his purposes. Let's face it. If there's one essential requirement for healthy, balanced and effective living, it's confidence. That's, that's a universal principle, isn't it? Confidence is that intangible quality which can mean the difference between taking a risk and holding back, between grasping an opportunity and letting that opportunity go through to the keeper. Confidence is a crucial factor in the development of a person's life. And no thinking person, no thinking parent wants anything other than heaps of confidence for their children. Anybody in leadership positions, anybody who's got influence over anybody, if they're, if they're of right mind, they want to inject lots of confidence into the person over whom they have influence. In this instance, Jesus was wanting to ensure his followers had a clear and unequivocal awareness of what they were signing up for. They were going to be world changers. History would never be the same again after the resurrection of Jesus and the establishment of the early church. History would be changed forever. And these guys were right in the centre of that transition. And so he touches on some critical components that they would need if they were to fulfil their mission if they were to remain strong and resolute in their convictions. Now, friends, this is why I regard this declaration of Jesus to be such, not only a powerful thing, but a very relevant thing for the church in Australia today. You see, in the last couple of years since I've left Northside, I've gone into another world, a different world, a world I didn't have time to go into when I was here at Northside. It's the world of what I'd call the church in general. And I've come to serve as in a consulting role with many churches right across Australia in these last couple of years, just trying to help them see where they may have drifted off track and where they need to get back on, on mission and help their leadership to understand what it means to, to have a vision and to lead the church 
in, in pursuit of that, of that vision. I, I got a bit spoiled, I guess, in one way of being in, in a church like, like this one because you've had a, an incredible record of faith and confidence over many years. I, I cite the establishment of this complex as part of that. I mean, this took huge faith. The church was nowhere near as big as what it is now when we took the step to establish this. Uh, you, you offer a wide variety of ministries in the community which are designed to bring hope and healing to hurting people. It's fantastic. You've got this, this link with, with, uh, with Thrive Madagascar. And we've been going there for many years to help those impoverished people. And it gives a, an international dimension to the ministry of Northside. And it's awe-inspiring. Uh, this church has exhibited faith and confidence through its innovative and creative approaches to communicating the gospel. Having left all this, and having had time to move around these churches, I believe that in the Australian church today, so many churches, not all, but in so many, there's a crisis of confidence. There's a crisis of confidence. So many churches seem to have lost their way, lost their sense of destiny, lost a sense of, of the vision that God is wanting to give them. And it's sad. It's tragic. That's why churches like Northside are so needed to help set the bar of what's possible. And don't ever get complacent because God hasn't finished with you yet. And I know that none of the leadership here believe he has. And I hope that message is extending down through the rank and file. God hasn't finished with you yet. You're helping to, to inspire other churches, whether you know it or not. And so this answer that Jesus gives to a question posed by a disciple who was fearful, apprehensive, lacking in confidence 2,000 years ago, it's a declaration designed to lift and inspire and, and, and increase the confidence levels of Christians in every generation. And friends, this declaration also spells out in a clear and, and concise way the very essence of the Christian faith. Let's face it, the church is up against it today. I mean, there have been so many scandals exposed, financial, moral, it's, it's horrific. What about the impact of the Royal Commission into child abuse? I mean, what bad is uncovered? And the deplorable behaviour of church leaders over the years. And we're all involved in this. And you can find yourself in a situation where it's embarrassing to even talk about these things because people have just lost a lot of trust in the church. And in that sense, we're kind of on the nose a little bit. And the increasing secularisation of society has led many people to abandon their long-held religious beliefs. And, our, and furthermore, our, our pride as a nation in the fact that we are the, the best example of multiculturalism in the world, which I think we are, I don't think anybody disputes that. But this has had an interesting, and it's developed a curious situation, I, I find it's quite curious, in which many people, including sections of the popular media, are inclined to favour other religious groups at the expense of Christianity, which is our heritage, which they criticise and, ber and berate with unrelenting vigour. It's just, a, it's, it's one of those things that every time you see evidence of it, you see it every day. It's just, it's a curious thing. This, my friends, is the new reality. This is our new reality as the people of God. This is the setting in which we are called to be the confident, faith-filled, courageous people of God. In many ways, you know, nothing's changed. It would not have been a picnic to be a Christian in the first century. 
<laughs> and it would not have been an easy thing to establish the early church. That would have seen an insurmountable proposition and challenge. But these 12 guys did it. So in order to instill confidence, strength and ultimately faith in the disciples, Jesus spoke about himself as being the way, the truth, the life. All designed to increase their confidence levels as Christians. Let's face it. Knowing you're going in the right direction. That's confidence, isn't it? Jesus doesn't say, I'll point you to the way. I'll, uh, I'll take you to the way. I'll wave as you go by on the way. He says, I am the way. Let not your hearts be troubled. Here's Jesus assuring his disciples that their belief and trust in him are well founded. You know, I, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm just so glad that when it comes to direction for life, the Christian faith is so uncomplicated. I mean, it's when you strip away all the all the hoo-ha that's been introduced by humankind over the centuries, all the traditions, the language, the customs, the, the uh, points of compliance and conformity, many of which aren't even in the Bible, when you strip all that away, you're left with a powerful, compelling, attractive message that basically says there is a God, He loves us, He wants to have a relationship with us, He wants to bring out our best. I mean, that's, that's attractive. That's a compelling message. I am the way, said Jesus. He also said, I am the truth. Knowing you're building on a foundation of truth. That's confidence. You find it sad, as I do, when you see evidence all around of people building their lives on beliefs you know are fundamentally flawed. Like some of these truths, more money will make you happy. There's so much evidence that that's not true. Unrestrained pleasure will bring me satisfaction. No, that's, you read about that every day. That's not true. Adherence to strict religious codes and laws will bring me closer to God. No. That will just tie up with heaps of guilt and probably take a long way from God ultimately. That's extreme fundamentalism. Merely indulging in books and DVDs and going to places for a bit of a motivational lift, that'll make me a better person. Just that alone. No, that, that, that won't happen either. When Jesus talks about the truth, friends, and the fact that he is an embodiment of that truth, he's referring to truths like life's meant to be lived in community. Love your neighbour. Get along with people. Take the time to care and show a bit of kindness. It is more blessed to give than receive. You won't find that in a glossy magazine today. But that's a truism that people find every day to be reality. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But get an eternal perspective of where you're going ultimately. Don't worry about tomorrow. He doesn't say don't think about tomorrow. He just says don't worry about tomorrow. Well, there's a big difference. Abide in me. Keep my commandments. So many other Truths we could outline if we had time. But at the heart of these truths, friends, is the foundational truth. We need a saviour. That's it. We need a saviour. We're not meant to do life on our own. It's just not the way it's working. It's meant to work. We're destined for a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. We need forgiveness for our sins. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to realise our full potential as people. This is the gospel. This is the good news available through the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, 
And finally, he said, I am the life. Wow. Knowing there's more to life than meets the eye. Wow, that's confidence. Knowing we're more than just a composition of flesh and blood and, and bone and tissue. Knowing we are people with the soul. We're people of the spirit. We're destined not only for this life, but for the life in the hereafter. This is a perspective on life that provides the key to abundant and purpose-filled living. It's a perspective that enables each one of us to handle suffering, disappointment, grief, loss, crises of all kinds. It's not a guilt-edged guarantee to a problem-free life and certainly not to necessarily a prosperous life. It's not a guilt-edged guarantee for that. But it is a guarantee for a victorious life. And friends, there's a big difference. A victorious life. It's the kind of life that Paul talks about in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9. Look at this little touch of reality from the great man Paul, who's one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. He says this, we're often troubled. Can you relate to that? Of course. Ah, but not crushed. Sometimes in doubt. Can I get an amen to that? Exactly. We all suffer from doubt at times, but never in despair. There are many enemies. Hello. (laughs) But we are never without a friend. And the friend that Paul's talking about, of course, is the friendship of the living Christ. I am the way, the truth and the life. It's all about confidence, friends. It's all about recognising we live in very tough times. The church is really up against it. But it's possible when you really allow God to have his way in a church, in our own lives, it's really possible to do great things. You're proving it and you'll continue to prove it. I received a confidence boost as a Christian from a most unusual source a couple of years ago. I was watching Q&A. Any Q&A fans here today? Oh, yes. Anybody given up on Q&A? I have friends who, who, who just can't stand that show. They say, oh, you still watch that? Yeah, I really like that. Oh, I can't stand that show. Well... I was watching. Is Peter Hitchens a name to anybody? Peter Hitchens, he's a, he's a journalist. He's an author. Up until a very recent stage in his life, he was a total committed atheist. Absolutely king of the atheists. He was a Trotskyite. Isn't that a beautiful thing? A Trotskyite. Any Trotskyites here today? Uh, it means he was from the far socialist left. So his worldview was very different to the one being espoused by most churches. And then a couple of years ago, he had, or a number of years ago, he had a remarkable conversion. And he was on Q&A and on the panel during the night, he, he kind of gave it away that he was a Christian a little bit. Not, not too much, but a little bit. It was, the, it was that episode, they do it every year. It coincides with, with Melbourne's Festival of Dangerous Ideas. It's very Melbourne, isn't it? Festival of Dangerous Ideas. We're all the Melbourneites. Uh, it happens every year and they, they have a, they have a a Q&A to coincide with it. And so it got to the end of this episode, and I'm sure some of you watched this, and I just love this moment, where Tony Jones, the moderator, said, OK, we've got time for one more question. He said, and I'm going to ask it. And this is the question he asked, word for word. Which dangerous idea has the greatest potential to change the world for the better? Which dangerous idea has the potential to change the world for the better? Well, 
one panellist said, surprisingly, ooh, I need more time to think about that. I thought, well, you're, on, you're an expert in dangerous ideas, but they, 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 they kind of, the question sort of threw them momentarily. There was another guy who'd already cited that the, the world's problem was overpopulation. So his brilliant idea was compulsory abortion for 30 years. Uh, and they quickly passed over that one. Jermaine uh, Greer said, freedom, freedom. That's the most dangerous idea, freedom. He didn't expand and he didn't ask anymore. And then he came to Peter Hitchens. <laughs> this is Q&A, okay? And Peter Hitchens said this, word for word. The most dangerous idea in human history and philosophy remains the belief that Jesus was, is the Son of God and rose from the dead. That is the most dangerous idea you'll ever encounter. I can still see the faces of the panel members. It was just, George just dropped. And you talk about, you talk about a good question. Tony Jones's follow-up question was brilliant. He said, why is the resurrection dangerous? And it was a good question. But the answer again, even better. This is, what, this is what Peter Hitchens said. He said, because it alters the whole of human behaviour and all our responsibilities. It turns the universe from a meaningless chaos to a designed place in which there is justice, there is hope. Therefore, this is off the cuff, we all have a duty to discover the nature of that justice and work towards that hope. It alters us all, he said. And then he concluded, if we reject it, it alters us as well. It is incredibly dangerous. Wow. I am the way, the truth and the life. The defining moment. I would say the defining declaration in all of history. And in true form, Tony Jones ended the night by saying, I think that's all we have time for tonight. Uh, <laughs> it was, and you know what, friends? I'll tell you what. With all we do in ministry, all the different ways we reach out and all the fun things we do, at the bottom line, that's all we have time for. To make that declaration and all we do and say. Let's bow in prayer. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.